1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadomo. She is our Florida State Senate president. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be joining us as well. It is January the 23rd, and on this day in 1997, the day after her unanimous confirmation by the U.S. Senate, Madeleine Albright was sworn in as America's first female Secretary of State by Vice President Al Gore at the White House. As uh, head of the U.S. uh, Department of State, Albright was the highest-ranking female official in U.S. history, a distinction that led some to declare that the glass ceiling preventing the ascension of women in government had been lifted. (coughs) Excuse me, please. (coughs) Albright was born in uh, Maria Jana Corbelva, in Czechoslovakia in 1937 and fled to the United States with her family in 1948 after the communist takeover. She studied law and government at the Columbia University in New York City and graduated with a PhD during the 1970s. She served as a staff member on the National Security Council at the White House and in 1989 became the president of the nonprofit Center for National Policy. In January 1993, she was appointed the permanent U.S. Representative to the United Nations by President Bill Clinton, where she earned a reputation as a tough, straight talking negotiator with a personal touch. In December 1996, she was nominated by Bill Clinton to replace Warren Christopher as Secretary of State, the most important and powerful position in the President's cabinet. During her tenure, Al- Albright demonstrated a strong grasp of world issues and impressive language skills. She spoke Czech, Polish, French, and Russian. On January 26, 2005, Condoleezza Rice was sworn in by President George W. Bush as the nation's second female Secretary of State. After stepping down from her post, Albright returned to teaching at Georgetown, accepted several board positions, and became chair of the National Democrat Institute for International Affairs. Excuse me. On March the 23rd, 2022. She died at age 84, just one month before her death. She spoke out in the impending Russian invasion of Ukraine, writing to a New York Times op-ed: Russian President Vladimir Putin would be making an historic mistake by invading Ukraine. Perhaps, uh, perhaps, uh, prescient uh, claims by Madeline Albright before her death. Well, the U.S. stocks um, uh, went up yesterday. Uh, you know, just continuing the rise. Uh, the S&P 500 and the Dow cl- were climbing to all-time highs as the stock market continues to uh, rally. Futures are down a little bit right now, but who knows how they might end up. Well, the second nominating contest for the 2024 presidential election cycle is taking place today in New Hampshire. The Republican primary is a little down to a match uh, between former President Donald Trump and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley following uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' exit from the race. As the average of a New Hampshire poll shows Trump up with a 52 to 40, 37% lead over uh, uh, Haley, however, that's with Republicans. The state's primary has also opened independent voters, who Haley is hoping to woo. Some poll averages uh, <clears throat> are showing her uh, doing better when independents are considered. Republican politicians and Donald Trump allies gathered Monday evening before the former president and 2024 GOP presidential candidate took the stage at a rally at Laconia, New Hampshire. Uh, among them were uh, our own representative, Byron Donalds, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and of course the uh, Arizona GOP Senate candidate, Kerry Lake. Makes you wonder if perhaps one of those three might be Trump's choice as VP candidate. Well, the new poll is out from Harvard, uh, Harris Poll and Harvard Caps. Immigration concerns are now front and center. The Congressional Budget Office estimates that the border officials uh, witnessed but did not catch 860,000 illegal immigrants crossing into the United States last year, more than double the number of uh, gotaways who entered when President Joe Joe Biden entered office and dismantled the border policies. Immigration is now the top concern for voters, up seven points since last month at 35 percent, inflation second with 32 percent. Seventy-seven percent of voters believe the Biden administration should make a deal with the Republicans to increase border security, including 65 percent of Democrats. Sixty-eight percent believe the Biden administration should make it tougher to get into the U.S. illegally, including 50 percent of Democrats. So it looks like the Democrats are coming around on this issue. However, yesterday, in a five-to-four vote, the Supreme Court granted uh, an emergency request by the Biden administration to allow Border Patrol agents to cut through razor wire on the U.S. border, Mexico border, uh, that Texas has installed to deter illegal uh, crossings. What do you make of that? I'm sure that's uh, I'm sure that's defensible from a constitutional standpoint. But what about? the uh, protection from America, for American citizens. The president's not uh, enforcing the law, and now the Supreme Court is not protecting us. Uh, perhaps we need to file another case, a different type of case, but, uh, uh, or perhaps <clears throat> the House of Representatives should impeach uh, President Joe Biden for his lack of willingness and resolve to protect us at the southern border. Well, the divide between the country's elite and the rest of America is growing, and it will have a substantial impact on the 2024 elections. This according to a survey conducted by Scott Rasmussen. Uh, This is an important finding. I'm going to spend a little time on this. The survey also found that most highly educated voters with advanced degrees are liberal-leaning, and their policy positions are at odds with the rest of the electorate, which Rasmussen and conservative economist Stephen Moore said during a briefing on the results on Friday. There were 1000 members of the elite interviewed September the 20 11th through 26 and September the 14th through 29th for the survey. So it's a robust survey. The poll find elites those who are having postgraduate degree, a household income of more than $150,000 annually, and living in a zip code with more than 10,000 people per square mile, in other words in urban areas. Approximately 1% of the total population meets these criteria. Among the 1,000 elites surveyed, 73% of the elites were Democrats, 14% were Republicans. The study also examined adults who attended either Ivy League colleges or elite private schools, including Northwestern, Duke, Stanford, and the University of Chicago. Also, roughly half of those classified as elites attending one of those schools, according to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity's report, The survey also asked the respondents if their personal finances were getting better or worse these days. Only about 20% of all Americans say they believe their finances are getting better now. But among the elite, the number more than triples to 74% who say they're better off, the report says. The survey found that a similar divide when it came to individual freedom When Americans are asked if there is too much or too little freedom, elites are three times more likely to say there's too much individual freedom in America than all Americans. Almost six out of ten graduates from elite colleges think there's too much freedom. Can you believe that? The poll results found climate change to be an obsession of the very rich and highly educated Given that 77% of the elites, including nearly 90% of the elites who graduated from top universities, favor rationing of energy, rationing gas and meat, and combine uh, and to combat co- climate change. However, 63% of registered voters oppose this policy. You see the divide that's developing here? In addition, 70% of elites indicated they would pay $500 or more each year in taxes and higher costs to reduce climate change, while nearly as many average Americans, 72%, say they would only be willing to pay $100 a year or less to fight climate change. Elites were at odds with other registered voters when it came to the issue of banning gas stoves, gas-powered cars, air conditioning, SUVs, and non-essential air travel. Based on the survey results, more than two-thirds of the Ivy Elite school grads, would ban each of these two-thirds, but less than one and four of average Americans were in support of such bans. Also, 70% of the elites surveyed trusted the government to do the right thing most of the time. That's unbelievable to me, but nevertheless, that's what they believe. That's more than twice the nationwide average. The report on the findings and concludes that the elite, a group of Americans with extraordinary political and societal power, uh, have views and attitudes that are wildly out of touch with American people. Uh, and uh, let's <clears throat> grown over the last few decades. Elite no longer think that they have to have permission from voters to enact new rules and regulations. They think that if they decided something is right, it should be done. So highlighting the views of this group, I think, will have a big impact, not just on the election, but what happens in the next presidential administration. Rasmussen warned that Biden and the Democrat Party might lose middle class voters or, on due to the fact of the rapid transition to clean energy and uh, energy sources as a way to fight climate change. This is just unbelievable. They don't, uh, you know, in a sense, what, to, what they're describing is the elites don't necessarily believe in the Constitution. They think their ideas are better than the electorate. Uh, they believe in climate change. They think this is a big deal and uh, should uh, invest money in order to solve the problem. So uh, in my mind, and the reason I'm focusing on this is in my mind, I think this pretty much describes the new profile of the Democrat voter, of who they're appealing to. And I think right now we've seen a shift from being uh, corporate elitists in the uh, Republican Party to being blue-collar, representing the real people in the United States. And that's why Trump has so much more appeal Moore said that the two America story is true, but it's not just the ultra rich versus everybody else. it's uh <clears throat> the uh, elite uh, versus uh, those uh, the American people <clears throat> and uh, this is this is just a very disturbing story, but I think it's factual and true and I just wanted to present it to you because it's an important uh, review <clears throat> of what's happening in America right now. Well, the Georgia Senate is set this week to authorize a subpoena-powered investigative committee to probe the alleged corruption of Fannie Willis, Fulton County's district attorney. The potential committee is significant because Governor uh, Brian Kemp refused to launch a criminal investigation into Willis, citing the need for a currently non-operational oversight committee to open the probe. Well, this Georgia Senate committee is just that, it can hold a subpoena power as soon as... uh, Later this week, to secure the attendance of witnesses or the production of documents and materials. This is a big story, and uh, I think this is going to kind of get this investigation started, which is going to, I think, undermine uh, the case that she's trying to build uh, against uh, President Donald Trump. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our Florida State Senate President. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: I'm Bob Hardin, the host of The Bob Hardin Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lullaby's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly staff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner four to eight p.m. Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulaby's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Amakley and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lullaby's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. 4541.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of the Les government. Right now we have with us our Florida State Senate President, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Good morning.
1: Good morning, Kathleen. Well, last week we talked, you were just getting in from very late uh, from Iowa after campaigning for our governor as a candidate for president. And now he's decided to drop out of the race. I just wanted to get your thoughts.
3: Well, as you know, um, I think he's a great governor. Um, he, he's been, he's been a great leader of our state and I thought, I think he would have made a great president and I think in the future he will make a great president. So, um, but I'm glad to have him back because, you know, we've got a lot to accomplish this session and, um, you know, he's an integral part.
1: He is indeed. And uh, he is a great governor. I just really, I, I just think that, uh, quite frankly, my opinion, his time had not yet come. And I think he has a great future, and I think he will be a great candidate in
3: 2028. Yeah. So, you know, I, the way I look at it, no harm, no foul. He uh, tested the waters. Um, at this point, I think it's almost, it would be impossible to beat uh, Donald Trump. He's he's really almost a movement. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see.
1: Absolutely. So, um, nevertheless, and I, and I also think this experience that he had is very valuable. I think he's yeah. understood where the minefields are <laughs> in the national electoral process, so I think he'll be a better candidate in the future.
3: I think that's, that's right, and, and um, you know, he, uh, he'll he understand the, the growing nature of campaigning, and uh, he uh, won't be, next time he runs uh, for uh, he, president, he won't be a governor of the state so he won't have uh, that to uh, contend with as well.
1: Exactly. So you're in Tallahassee right now and uh, right in the midst of the uh, the eye of the storm when it comes to legislation. Can you give us an update?
3: Uh, yeah, we've uh, we had a very uh, a robust week last week. We have a lot of bills that are being heard. Uh, I'm meeting with hundreds of people, it seems, uh, about issues that are important we're we're working on the budget right now the uh challenge is that we have uh 7 billion dollars in uh projects that are requested from all around the state and we probably only have about a billion uh allocated you know those are the local government uh requests uh, uh some of the agency that are not in their budget and it's it's very very difficult to pick and choose yeah, you know, university uh, construction dollars, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, you know, w- one of the things that's emerged is the uh, attempt to get rid of the Hope scholarship. Which I think is uh, we're trying to consolidate uh, a lot of the regulations and, and laws, uh, and uh, because we have this more overriding scholarship program, but the Hope Scholarship is different, and it uh, responds to bullying and the uh, the threats to kids in in uh, their school system and and what's happening. Uh, I, I hope we'll not overturn the uh, Hope Scholarship. What are your thoughts?
3: Well, first of all, we only had a couple hundred people use it. Um, so, you know, all the money that was tied to it is just sitting there. Uh-huh. And secondly, uh, with universal school choice, a parent, which is what we passed last year, a parent can send their child to any school they want uh, is without the uh, issue of uh, a stigma of, oh, I had to leave because I was bullied. So,
1: Yeah, I get that. I, I but the thing is that the, the, the scholarship, the school choice scholarship is uh, happens periodically during the course of the year you have to take advantage of when the when the window is open uh bullying situation is different it could happen and uh, with the hope scholarship it could be exercised at any time
3: yeah i i don't know i mean there's a uh, there's a lot of uh, support for terminating it because it was not effective unfortunately
1: Mm, well so so i don't
3: know where it's going to be honest with you you know it's just one of hundreds and hundreds of Uh, items that we're looking at.
1: Understood. Well, thanks for that update. Uh, How's everything going with the health uh, improvement of public health that you're working on?
3: We passed it uh, off the floor last Thursday unanimously in the Senate and sent it over to the House, and they're uh, taking it up in committee. So hopefully that will make it to the House floor uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, The Speaker is very supportive of it. Um, The only issue that we have is the funding. And so we're working on that, um, you know, how much it's going to cost. And of course, we're working the governor's office on it as well. So, uh, you know, the policy is everybody agrees to it's just a question of how much money. <laughs> As
1: always. Yeah. Well, of course, and then the resources are necessary to, to be able to right. getting people attracted to Florida to, to help us serve exactly. in terms of health care. And what's interesting, and I don't know if it's a related fact or not, but uh, there, has, there have been layoffs across the hospital systems in the nation because of the downturn in the economy, uh, it's kind of opening the window for Florida's efforts. Yes. Uh,
3: yeah. Um, and, and we really need it. You know, you, you have to provide health care. It's just it is what it is, and, yeah. and you can't. You, 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 what what'll happen is if we don't have, you know, primary care physicians and, uh, uh you know, the uh, obstet- uh, the, the um, advanced birthing centers and the like, people are just gonna flood the emergency rooms, which is very, very expensive, and we that you can't afford.
1: That's exactly right. Kathleen Pasadoma, our uh, Florida State Senate President, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. You know you're extremely busy up in Tallahassee right now, so okay. thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you, and have a great day.
1: You as well, Kathleen, thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen, former radio personality in Madison, Wisconsin. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Fifty-three ten. That's 239-269-5310. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239 239-
0: Bob show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33 year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Goreck, Republican for Cuyahoga County Supervisor of Elections. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo Boo Mortensen, former radio personality in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Well, it's my pleasure, Bob. And I have to tell you, I have nothing but good news.
1: Wonderful. And in this
2: day and age, any good news you can get, you got to hang on to.
1: Let's let's hear it. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs>
2: All right, the number of Americans ages 100 and over is projected to more than quadruple over the next three decades. So right now we have 101,000 people that are 100 and over, wow. which seems staggering. But by 2054 and 30 years, it will go up to 422,000.
1: You know what's interesting about that statistic? It kind of flies in the face of what I'm reading about the life expectancy here in the United States, which uh, reportedly in the last couple of years has actually gone down.
2: Maybe they haven't gotten to 100. <laughs> yeah, that's, but, Maybe that's the secret sauce,
1: is
2: yeah. that you have to get to 100 and then you're on easy street. That must be but listen, it. in the last three decades alone, the centenarian population has nearly... Trouble tripled.
1: Huh.
2: So it's uh right now seventy eight percent of all the centenarians that are alive are women or white women and twenty two percent are men.
1: That's so interesting. You know, it reminds me that back a, a few years ago, back when Alan Weiss was the president of NCH healthcare And on the show, very actively, we had this concept called the blue zones. Remember where we'd eat healthy, we'd have a healthy habits, a lot of things in order to support the whole notion that we wanted to be like these places around the world where people lived a long life. I just don't hear too much more about, about that anymore.
2: I don't either, but I think it still exists. I think there's still a lot of validity to it. And I'm going to give you an example right now in 2024, we have. How many people in the United States versus versus Japan? I mean, we have 300 million.
1: 330 million, I think it is.
2: Right. And I Japan is, is significantly smaller, yet they have 146,000 centenarians. We only have 108,000.
1: Isn't that interesting?
2: So what you eat, their genetics, <clears throat> uh, they stay active. Maybe they eat less processed food. Maybe that, you know, maybe a lot of Japan is more of a blue zone.
1: I think that's right. I mean, you think about the Japanese diet a lot of noodles and uh, usually uh, the fish or, or meat was is something that uh, complements the meal. It's not the total meal, if you know what I mean.
2: Right, and they go to the garden. They pick stuff out. Now, obviously not all Japanese do that, you know, yeah. people that live in big cities. But you think about how much food, processed foods in our lives, and I'm not saying like Swiss che- or you know cheese in a can and stuff like that, crackers that is all processed flour. I'm talking about even if you want to say you make your own spaghetti yeah. or your own meatballs. I believe that spaghetti sauce that you buy in a jar that's processed. Yeah, it's not like you're getting the tomatoes and squishing them and making your own sauce.
1: Right. Well, and and plus it has. A lot of things that uh, make it attractive to eat has a lot of sugar in it, as I understand it.
2: And I think it has chemicals to keep the shelf life. I think a lot of what we eat has sugar. And, you know, I don't buy TV dinners or any food out of the the, uh, frozen food aisle. You know, I just don't do that. But still, I think we're still getting more processed food than we probably need. Well, and you're really good. I mean, are you still a vegan?
1: I am not a vegan anymore. <laughs> boy, I good for you. Well, Linda discovered grass-fed beef. <laughs> and so we've made a few evolutions in our diet right now. But uh, just the other night, we had a couple of ribeyes. Uh, but it was grass-fed. So apparently that makes a big difference.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not saying all meat is bad. I think that you just don't eat beef for every meal. You know, it's everything right. in moderation. But, you know, if you look at the, and I also find that this is interesting, most of the centenarians, 75, 77% of the centenarians are white. Hmm. Black is, and then it really drops off. Blacks, only 8%. Asians, 7%. And Hispanic 6 Wow. So, why is that?
1: You know, I, I, well, one possible consideration is the, the cultural nature of uh, food intake and, and what we tend to eat. Now, I don't—I okay. have no basis for making that judgment, except that I—I I, I think that uh, uh, the diet, uh, our diet, is—you uh, know, by by comparison, pretty good.
2: Uh. I think so. You know where does where do, where do all the obesity levels fall? Obviously, um, you don't. In my little pea brain, I don't think that I think as of most Asians as having a lot of obesity. No. Um, I know Hispanics. You know they have a, a pretty fat fueled uh, diet for uh-huh. the most part
1: the um, The Asian part kind of uh, surprises me. I would think that with the the noodles and some of the fresh uh, vegetables and so forth, yeah, it, I, I would think that Asians would have a, a longer life expectancy based on their diet. No, seven percent. I mean that's that's low. Yes, it is. Well, that's such an interesting conversation, Boo. I mean, uh, uh, having a long, you know, the the key I think to a hap- is having a happy. And healthy, long life. To live to 100 is one accomplishment. But to be able to do it in a way that you're active and continue to do the things that you enjoy doing, that's another thing. And uh, so how do you make it to age 100? And uh, when you do, when you finally uh, pass away, it's in the last couple, maybe couple of months or months that uh, you, your, your health deteriorates.
2: Well, you know, and, I, uh, and you also said stay active. You know, they say that sitting is the new smoking and I think it with people's addiction to screens, working from home, they're spending... Well, whether or not they're in an office or they're at home, a lot of people are pretty sedentary. Yeah. And uh, I think we're meant to move. You know, I think that when you exercise, that's the gift that you give yourself.
1: Yes. I think there's no question about that, Boo. and uh, boy, But,
2: you know, is there a magic bullet? I don't know. We all hope that there is. You know, we eat organic. That was a fad for a while uh you know we've gone through all of these fads vegetarian vegan uh does it move the dial i don't know
1: yeah well i think we're we're all individually unique and uh, we have a perhaps a uh an attraction to certain types of disease based on our genetics and our diet and and other uh, environmental factors so I think it's important for each of us to think about not and that's the problem with the healthcare today is that usually you pass a line where you all of a sudden you have a disease all of a sudden you're sick but this thing has been in development for months maybe years and uh, we, I think it's important for to find ways to find to uh, get indicators of what might be you might be uh, susceptible to and uh, be able to indicate that and and uh, do something about it early in your life. Is
2: there a test for that? Uh,
1: there is. I, I I read a book, and I can't even remember the name of it, but it's something about living a long life uh, and uh, being able to live it in a healthy way. I'll have to get back to you on that next week, but the there there is a new type of medicine that apparently wants to focus on. Let's discover, if, you, <clears throat> if you're going to have a heart attack at age 60, is it possible you can detect the, the signs of that early in your life so you can do something about it? He seems to think so, this, this uh, author.
2: Well, I have a friend that had a blood test. She had two blood tests. One what blood test was determined whether or not there were any cancer cells in her body that hadn't been activated. I didn't know you could do that. And the other test was whether well, how many amyloids you had uh, in your brain and whether or not you had a propensity for Alzheimer's. Now, I'm not sure I'd take that test because, <laughs> you know, the self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd, if they said, yes, I have a propensity, you know, I'd probably curl up in the fetal position and that would be the end of it. Well. So it's better off not knowing some of this stuff, but there are tests for those things.
1: Well, here's the other thing they've discovered. Apparently, that uh, uh, the cholesterol issue that we've been fighting for years and years and years. Apparently, cholesterol is actually brain food, and apparently, the t- attempt to reduce the level of uh, cholesterol in our in our bodies can actually feed into uh, Alzheimer's. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that shocking? That was that's according. Do you, I don't know if you read Doctor McCullough, uh, but he's a very prolific. He, he puts out a column every day. Anyhow, I think I got that from him, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Well, it's hard to know what to do. I mean, you can't just exist on cookies and uh, pies. I mean, I could, but you know, I guess you have to, you know, do what you think is right. Don't smoke. Yeah. Um, you know, don't do anything excessively. Exercise. Yeah. Use your brain.
1: Yep. and uh,
2: There's not a lot of, of uh, things in our arsenal, but just do the best you can, I guess. And stay happy. Stay active.
1: Stay happy. You know what? And happiness is a state of mind, not a state of affairs. So you can decide to be happy, and uh, that is an important decision in everybody's life.
2: Do you know anyone 100?
1: Uh, I'm trying to think. No, I don't. I don't think I do. Do you?
2: No, I don't. I'm not sure I've even ever met anyone
3: a 100.
1: Well, I certainly have. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. Boom it's always fun to talk to you, Boo. I never know what we're going to talk It's kind of like opening a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get.
2: It's kind of scary, Bob.
1: I actually really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: My pleasure.
1: Uh, all right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. To The Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And You can find out more and get tickets to some great performances coming up. Visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. You wrote a really interesting piece, Crony Fascism, Debit Cards Don't Build Credit, but Credit Cards Do. Well, it's such an interesting column. Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Yeah, it's it, 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 it occurred to me a couple of weeks ago that I was writing about this, um, and I wanted to explore it more fully, and it, it, it was even worse than I initially thought. The entire <laughs> law, legal and, re, and regulatory structure is set up to... Pull, Funnel everybody into the credit card death spiral. Um, as you know, for people who don't know, when you use a credit debit card, obviously using your money that you already have in your account, which should provide you some credit advancements, some credit score increases, but the debit, the, the, the debit and checking accounts are not reported to the credit bureaus.
1: Isn't that interesting?
4: which is staggeringly obnoxious. I mean, it is so obviously set up to, I mean, if you don't get any credit, you could, you could spend a million dollars a month on your debit card and your credit score won't go up. Now, obviously, you're a pretty good credit rating if, you could spend, if you're if you spending a million dollars of your own money every month. Right. Your credit, your credit rating should be over 800 if, if you can do that. But it won't go up a, a single point on any of the uh, credit bureaus if you're using your own money. Now, if you use a credit card and you run up a tab and you, even if you only pay a tiny fraction of what you, of what you rang up the previous month on your credit card, your credit score starts going up.
1: In other words, you're rewarded for going into debt.
4: You're rewarded for going into debt because if you only pay a little bit, I think it's even slightly above the, the minimum, you know, the minimum payment, your credit score goes up for going into debt to the banks. Huh. Now, we went over a trillion dollars in credit card debt uh, August of last year, the United States did. We're almost at $1.1 trillion now. So it's gone up an extra $100 billion in credit card debt since August. And the average, I, I, forget, I pulled the number, you may have the article in front of you, it's just around, t- the average Interest rate on your average credit card is twenty five, around twenty five percent. Yeah. So this is just a complete, and the fact that the entire regulatory and legal system are set up to run you away from spending your own money, and running you, run you galloping towards spending the big banks' money, I just think is a, is just a colossal failure in policymaking. By the United States, and, I, and again, well, let me rephrase that: it's not a failure; it's intentional. This is the big banks lobbying Congress to get them to write the laws this way. Now, do the banks? Obviously, the banks would prefer, you know. Oh, oh, and by the way, I looked at this: the debit card fee to 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 um, to retailers, where you know the people you buy from with the cards, the debit card fee is lower than the credit card. And why is that? Because the government caps the debit card fee and doesn't cap the credit card fee. Hmm. So again, it's it's more policy from government favoring the big banks and their credit cards.
1: So your, your theory of the case is that basically the big banks are lobbying for more debt, and uh, they—they're enriched by the fact that people use their credit cards and build balances, and we're rewarded for that in our credit score, and we're penalized in a sense for using our own money—the money we have in our checkbook or in our debit card.
4: Right, right. It's 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 a system set up to for for average Americans to fail. Yeah, it is it is absurd because I went through this. You know, um, my my parents didn't know any better. I had a debit card. You know, in college, and I used that rather than a credit card. Uh, Frank Abagnale, who was the guy in Catch Me If You Can, sure. Uh, the, the, he was he was a real person, and he one of the many scams he ran was he was an expert at forging checks. So now he gets, he's made millions of dollars in the last half century, um, securing uh, and, uh, securing checks and bank systems and all that. But he gave a little speech. I almost included it in the article, but it just became unnecessary. He gave a little speech where he said the worst financial tool in, in, in ever given to man was the debit card. Because for all the reasons we just discussed. And he said, I use the credit card for everything. Now, he wasn't talking about the, why that is. All he was saying was, this is a bad tool. This is a good tool. Oh, and another example. If your debit card is stolen, they steal your number or they Mm -hmm. steal the card itself, you're out the money that you steal. Right. And you you only get the money back if the bank finds out who took it and gets it back. So where's the incentive on the bank to look for it if they're not out anything? Right. Versus the credit card, which is they someone steals your credit card, they immediately reimburse you all the fraudulent charges. They then they rush you, they FedEx you another card to keep the debt debt train rolling, and you move on as if you didn't. Again, another facet of I'm not going to use a debit card. I'm using credit, and these are all laws and regulations from the government. This system doesn't have to be this way. The government has chosen to make it this way.
1: And uh, the government's chosen to make it this way because you have K Street, you have lobbyists, people who are pushing this. See, this is so insidious. As, as uh, one politician told me one time, he's retired now, he said, you know, Bob, we have the best government that money can buy. And it seems right. that everything is, everything is motivated by money uh, and, uh, unfortunately, not the very best use of it.
4: And there was an old... It was, a, it was a punk band called Selling... They had an album called Selling Britain by the Pound. God, I'm embarrassed that I can't remember who it was. But I, I, I actually kind of co-opted it and said, we're selling America by the pound. And by the pound, I mean... It's like it's like the, the, the D.C. is a butcher butcher. And they're chopping up the U.S. and selling it to the highest bidder by the pound. Um, it's just... It's completely pathetic. It's so... You know, I dove into looking into all the different ways the credit card is favored uh in the system, and it's, it it doesn't make any sense unless it's intentional
1: no it there, does there's
4: just so many advantages to using the credit card, which is a you know a horrible thing for the average American. There's no way all these different advantages to using the the the, the, the credit card exists unless it's intentional, and it's just an awful way. It's just an awful set of government policies.
1: It certainly is. Seaton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I hope you'll visit the website lessgovernment.org where you'll find this column. Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, we're going to have more here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that uh, Clerk Crystal Kinzel is pleased to announce that registration is open for the 4th Annual Valentine's Day Wedding and vow Renewal Ceremony. It's going to be held at the Eva Sugden Gomez Center at Baker Park on February the 14th on Valentine's Day. It's organized by the Kaya County uh, Clerk of Quartz, uh, and uh, it's going to be a terrific event, always is, greatly appreciated, no cost involved unless you need to get a marriage license, so you can renew your vows or get married on Valentine's Day. You can find out my, more by visiting CollierClerk.com, CollierClerk.com. We have with us Linda Harden. Linda is my wife. Good morning. Good morning to you. How are you it's doing? nice to see the sun. Oh, it's so nice, and apparently it's going to get up to 80 degrees today. 81. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, indeed. indeed. It's about
5: time. I'm tired of having the heat on. Yeah, I am too. I'm not used to that.
1: No, but anyhow, it's not, and it's nice to see blue skies. Oh boy,
5: all these clouds. I mean, I feel badly for the people up in the Midwest who are suffering through an ice storm and all the nefarious um, weather events that they've had. It's really been awful. But we live in Florida, after all, and we are got we've gotten spoiled by having countless days of sunshine, cloudless skies and warmth. And so when that doesn't happen, we get crabby.
1: Yeah, we do. So uh you know, I uh, right now the biggest concern that people have is the uh, open border. And uh so that apparently it's the number one issue. It really advanced this last week and even Democrats are concerned about this open border. Now the Supreme Court has made this decision that uh Amy Coney Barrett pretty much made yeah, the decision. <laughs> it's it's just really frustrating to me that apparently the The Biden administration wants to just have use these workers as a welcome wagon for uh, for people coming across the border, and uh, I'm talking about the agents with the fentanyl and the crime, all that. And uh, apparently, the Supreme Court is saying, well, because of the supremacy clause, uh, the the efforts on the part of Texas to have the wire up and to to prevent people from coming across the border border illegally is uh, apparently they got to just comply with allowing the federal uh, agents to do what they're going to do, and, which is not to enforce the law and apparently keep the border, borders open. It's very frustrating. A
5: couple things that I've thought about uh, since that came down yesterday. And one was, this, my little epiphany was this morning, but uh, Attorney General Paxton has said he's going to do everything he can to protect the sovereignty of Texas. Uh, uh, Clay Higgins has said that uh, Texas should uh, protect themselves from this. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Here today is the New Hampshire primary. Mm-hmm. And w- like you said, th- the concern on everyone's mind just about is mm-hmm. the border. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting if Amy Coney Barrett, who is the de- deciding person in this, did Donald Trump in this election a huge favor by putting a huge exclamation mark on the border and people are saying, oh... My God, this is makes us want to vote for Donald Trump even more because he's the one who's who protected our border when he was president. Well, that's a
1: great. I had I linked that up in my own mind, but that's a great point. I think it's just going to feed again the enthusiasm for uh, uh, President Trump uh, and his reelection.
5: Well, it it's you know it's worth thinking about because the day before the New Hampshire primary, when people have been going around uh, at diners and whatever on all these networks saying what do you think what do you think what do you think what's your main concern first is the border second is the economy they both stink Uh and and how interesting that the supreme court would come out for this ruling the day before the new hampshire primary i'm just saying
1: yeah that's such an interesting observation i hadn't even thought about that but uh that's why
5: you have me on your show. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
1: But the interesting thing is that, uh, and I understand the Supreme Court has made a decision based on their interpretation of the Constitution. And,
5: oh, by the way, it's temporary. It's a temporary injunction. It's not permanent. Oh, really? So, yes,
1: it's temporary. So I didn't realize that either.
5: Yeah, so that's, that's all very interesting. So um, lots of interesting things are going to come
1: out of this, and stay tuned. So what's your read on the, we're going to have this, uh, I'm going to call this the first primary because of the uh, Iowa caucuses. Was, that was not a primary. It wasn't the process of a, of a one man, one vote type of thing. What are your thoughts? Well, if, if the
5: I don't know about New Hampshire. Uh, there, there's a lot of squirrely things that can go on. I just saw that that uh, they're they're having robocalls with Joe Biden's voice on it calling yeah, people in New Hampshire too, yeah. saying saying not to vote. Uh, by by the turnouts for Trump, it should be a no-brainer. I mean, he was
1: he held a rally last night. The guy has
5: nine o five. No, nine fifteen. He bl- he showed up from New York City and and gave a rousing two-hour speech and nobody left people were saying wait we stood in line for hours would we do this for Nikki Haley no we would we freeze to death for Nikki Haley no we're st- we did this for Donald Trump and we would do it for even longer which and which you know which is is pretty cool now here's the deal may those people who said those things and who turned out for these rallies show up at the voting booths today that's the key
1: that yeah, is the key and uh it's Oh so interesting. Byron Donalds was invited to, uh, showed up to uh, campaign for Trump uh, last night along with uh, Matt Gates. Matt Oh Matt Gates was there Matt well? Gates
5: and his wife were there. He was giving and Tim Scott uh, you know was up there. Guess who wasn't up there though? Who? Ron Santos.
1: Yeah, so but it just fueled in my own mind at least the possibility that uh, Byron Donalds might be the vice presidential candidate on the Trump ticket.
5: You know what? You know who doesn't know.
1: Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. You that's know right. who
5: does know? Trump well, Trump knows. And I just get the biggest kick out of these people. Oh, it's going to be this. It's going to be, this. you know what? Trump Trump is right about everything and he knows stuff before anybody else does. He by the way, he even said about the Supreme Court uh ruling. Really, he says, you know, when you put when you put a um when Obama or whatever put a uh, a justice in, you know how they're going to vote. But when you put a Republican in, they because there's so much stigma against them, they want to prove that they're not biased, which is which is a very interesting take.
1: It mm, is an interesting take. In any event, uh, my hope is that the southern border. I mean, we have to do everything in our power. I hope Ken Paxton will somehow rally uh, in his, his attorney general's uh, position of the state of and uh, the state of Georgia, Georgia to. Uh, Georgia, uh, Texas—I should say whatever, whatever—to uh, <laughs> to stop this thing because it is just atrocious. 846,000 people cross the border illegally, and uh, the uh, border patrol is not doing anything about it. They're just released into the United States, and that's in 2023 alone. It's just shocking. I don't know if I sent you the the
5: video that Ben Berkwan, um took yes the other day, but it, they interviewed this Middle Eastern guy who'd come over the border. He says, you're all going to find out why we're here in a short
1: period of time. Yeah, meaning it's, it sounds like a, un, uh, a thinly veiled threat.
5: Well, but what did we hear last night or on, from Tucker Carlson um, on his interview
1: with Cat Turd? Uh, by the they, way, if you haven't seen that interview, it's... oh, it's yeah. so great.
5: I followed I followed Cat Turd from the moment that uh, I got on Twitter the first time, and he and I were both we were both kicked off at about the same time. And he fought his way back. He's on other he's on other social media platforms too. But he is just so smart. Yeah. And and he's he's this whole anyway. But but what but what they were saying was, uh, and I, I believe it was on that interview last night, was that. Keep in mind that the 9/11 terrorists snuck in here and and were able to take flight lessons, and and under the cloak of darkness and whatever to do that. Now they're inviting these people in the light of day, yeah. as many as want to come. Yeah, and don't which you- is
1: which is scare that you know what out of everybody. Absolutely, it's just uh, just appalling. We got to get a handle on this border. Uh, this president. Uh, I should say counterfeit president that we have, uh, Joe Biden. You
5: know, it's not, it's not. You know, he's
1: going through the motions. You know, it's Obama in the background. Yeah, but the irrespective it's uh, harming the nation and faster than you could ever possibly believe. And we need to get uh, the the real Donald Trump into office. So what about it- what about
5: that poor woman who was testifying on Capitol Hill at the impeachment hearing of Mayorkas? Who by the way didn't even show up for it, and she was testifying how how um, uh, her daughter was was killed um by by ms 13 well i don't remember what show that was on oh i know it was on laura ingram last night and she's suing the federal government because 100 million
1: dollars as as i recall linda always appreciate you i wish we could have more time we didn't even touch on fanny willis one of my favorite topics in (laughs) the whole wide world all right well linda i really appreciate you coming on the show thanks so much for joining us you're welcome all right well that's a wrap here in today's show i hope you enjoyed it we've got some terrific guests lined up for tomorrow well andrew Jopp is going to be with us we'll look forward to his commentary and what he has to say professor and author of josephus of oz i hope you make it a great day on the paradise coast or wherever you are namaste
0: thanks so much for listening to the bob hardin show on the bob hardin broadcasting network